Hey guys, welcome to the Bitcoin Fortress podcast, helping you increase your financial freedom. This is episode 57, recorded on March 26, 2023. This podcast is for entertainment only and is not investing advice, so as always, please do your own homework. A lot of news this week, uh, and uh, we'll also start with the market update and finish off talking about my latest blog post called Orange Pilling Your Parents. Starting out with the market recap, stocks ended a volatile week with gains on Friday in a week that saw the Federal Reserve raise rates by another 25 basis points. And risks in the U.S. and European banking sectors remained in focus. Shares of Deutsche Bank came under heavy pressure Friday after the cost of insuring the bank against a credit default spiked overnight. On Thursday, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said the U.S. government is prepared to take further action if needed to stabilize the banking sector. The major stock market indexes all tallied a winning week, the Dow Jones average gaining 1.2%, the S&P 500 rising 1.4%, and the NASDAQ composite closing up 1.7%. Looking ahead, banks will dominate the headlines again next week with the earnings and economic calendars light. The Senate Banking Committee will hold a hearing on bank failures with the witness list, including FDIC Chairman Martin Grunberg, Federal Reserve Vice Chairman Michael Barr, and Treasury Undersecretary Nellie Leong. Uh, while some reports indicate stress on bank deposits is less severe than what was implied by the recent price action in bank stocks, the trading around Deutsche Bank indicates investors are still on a hair trigger. All right, moving ahead into the Bitcoin news. So I'm going to call this segment From the Billionaires, and I'm just going to go through uh, four articles here from uh, different billionaires um, that are all pretty much in alignment in that uh, things are not okay. So we'll start with Barry Sternlicht. Uh, this title, this is from Bitcoin.com. Again, I'll put links to all the articles in the Show notes. Billionaire Barry Sternlich warns of hard landing, says, quote, economy is going to implode. The <clears throat> chairman and CEO of Starwood Capital Group, billionaire Barry Sternlich, discussed the state of the U.S. economy in an interview with CNBC on Thursday following the Federal Reserve hiking interest rates by 25 basis points. On Wednesday, Sternlich reiterated that the Fed should have stopped raising interest rates, citing the banking crisis. Recently, Several major banks failed, including Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank. I think you have to lower rates. That's how you recapitalize the banks. I think they've done enough. Sternlich opined, adding, the bond market is telling you what's going to happen. The bond market is right. Interest rates have to fall. The economy is going to implode. Last week, billionaire Jeffrey Goodlock, a.k.a. the Bond King, also explained how the bond market is signaling that the Federal Reserve will be cutting rates substantially soon. Uh, we'll talk more about that in a few minutes. Asserting that Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell is using a steamroller to get the price of milk down to two cents to kill a small fly. The Starwood Capital CEO stressed, you do not have to see the car hit the wall to know it's going 8,000 miles an hour and it will hit the wall. He cautioned, the economy will have a hard landing. 
Some people believe there will be a hard landing in the U.S., while some expect a soft landing or even no landing. Recently, economist David Rosenberg examined the Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia's manufacturing business outlook since 1968 and concluded that the U.S. seems to be headed towards a crash landing. Many people believe that the Federal Reserve will cut interest rates very soon, including Gunlock. However, Fed Chair Jerome Powell said that the cut that Rate cuts are not in the Fed's base case, emphasizing that inflation is still too high. Meanwhile, economist and gold bug Peter Schiff has warned that inflation is about to get a lot worse and Americans' cost of living will go way up. Uh, so that's warning number one from billionaire number one. The uh, next one here, uh, billionaire Bill Ackman. This is also Bitcoin.com. Uh, billionaire Bill Ackman on U.S. banking crisis, quote, I fear we are heading for a train wreck. Billionaire Bill Ackman, CEO and portfolio manager of Pershing Square Capital Management, is warned of an incoming train wreck. Pershing Square is a hedge fund management company with approximately $18.5 billion in assets under management. Ackman's net worth is about $3.4 billion. Commenting on the current banking crisis following the failures of major banks, including Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank, Ackman tweeted Wednesday, consider recent events impact on the long-term cost of equity capital for non-systemically important banks, where you can wake up one day as a shareholder or bondholder and your investment instantly goes to zero. Systemically important banks are banks that are considered to be so large or complex that their failure could have a significant impact on the financial system and the wider economy. On the Financial Stability Board's 2022 list, there are 30 systemically important banks, including J.P. Morgan Chase, Bank of America, Citigroup, HSBC, and the Troubled Credit Suisse. When combined with the higher cost of debt and deposits due to rising rates, Consider what the impact will be on lending rates and our economy, Ackman continued warning. The longer this banking crisis is allowed to continue, the greater the damage to smaller banks and their ability to access low-cost capital. Trust and confidence are earned over many years but can be wiped out in a few days. I fear we are heading for a train wreck. Hopefully our regulators will get this right. The billionaire believes the government should guarantee all bank deposits. On March 22nd, he tweeted explaining that Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen's reassuring comments the previous day led the market and depositors to believe that all deposits were now implicitly guaranteed. He also referenced a leak suggesting that Yellen, the Treasury Department, and Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation were looking for a way to guarantee all deposits, reassuring reassured the bank's banking sector and depositors. However, Yellen when walked, then walked back yesterday's implicit support for small banks and depositors while making it explicit that system-wide deposit guarantees were not being considered, Ackman's tweet adds. We've gone from implicit support for depositors to Secretary Yellen's explicit statement that no guarantee is being considered, he further opined, noting that the Federal Reserve has raised the federal funds rate to 4.75 to 5%. 5% is a threshold that makes bank deposits that much less attractive. I would be surprised if deposit outflows don't accelerate effective immediately, Ackman cautioned, elaborating. A temporary system-wide deposit guarantee is needed to stop the bleeding. The longer the uncertainty continues, the more permanent the damage is to smaller banks, and the more difficult it will be to bring their customers back. And I've been saying all along that, you know, the, these first couple of bank failures are, are just the beginning. I don't think we're at the end or even in the middle. 
of this um, crisis unfolding, and certainly billionaire number two would 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 tend to agree with that as well. Uh, of course, with Ackman, you know, and all these guys. Well, Sternlich is a real estate guy, and I've heard that commercial real estate's in 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 bad shape right now. So, um, in fact, I saw somebody tweet something over the weekend that said that probably mortgage commercial real estate backed securities are probably going to be uh, the next form of collateral that the Fed will accept as um, uh, in their. Um, special tool program to allow banks to have liquidity to borrow against um, assets. So we'll see if that happens. But uh, Ackman tends to be like a trader and, you know, you never really know if he's, uh, you know, talking his book, you know, he might be wildly short the market right now and we'll find out in a couple months, you know, that he was uh, hoping for uh, the market to tank and make a lot of money. But I think, you know, his comments about the banking system are right. And it's, um, you know, there's there's definitely no incentive for somebody to keep their money in a bank um, uh, for the uh, interest. Because it's, I think, I checked uh, JP Morgan is 0.02%. I think Wells Fargo is 0.01 on savings. So, um, you know, you'd, you'd much rather own a money market fund. Um, but then you also want to keep your money in a bank that's solvent. So if you had to choose between a regional bank that looks like it's going to go out of business and uh, a systemically important bank, you would probably move your money to the systemically important bank. Especially if you had over $250,000, you'd probably want to stick underneath that threshold and not take a chance that uh, you might not have insurance coverage. Uh, next billionaire is uh, the bond king, Jeffrey Gundlach. So billionaire bond king Jeffrey Gundlach predicts the Fed will cut rates substantially soon. Jeffrey Gundlach, chief executive and chief investment officer of investment management firm DoubleLine, expects the Federal Reserve to cut interest rates substantially soon. Gunlock is nicknamed the Bond King after he appeared on the cover of Barron's as the new Bond King in 2011. According to Forbes, his net worth is currently $2.2 billion. The billionaire tweeted Friday, I predict the Federal Reserve will be cutting rates substantially soon. However, he cautioned, I'm wrong about 30% of the time, so factor that into any decision making. <clears throat> the Federal Reserve <clears throat> raised interest rates by 25 basis points this week despite the banking crisis. Fed Chairman Jerome Powell said he does not expect the Fed to cut interest rates this year. UST two-year versus 10-year is now inverted 40 basis points, was 107 basis points just a few weeks ago. All UST yields two years and out are well below the Fed funds rate. Boonlock explained in a follow-up tweet, a yield curve inversion occurs when yields on shorter dated treasuries rise above those for longer term ones. The double line executive stressed red alert recession signals. In fact, I was listening to a podcast the other day. They were talking about how when the yield curve initially inverts, that's that's a warning sign. But when it starts to flatten uh, or when the, the spread between the, the two and 10, say, for example, uh, narrows, that's pretty much a signal that recession is here or it's... Uh, it's imminent. So uh, at least that's been that way in the past. And of course, this time could always be different. But uh, I don't know. 
It doesn't really make a lot of sense to bet against the bond market. That's really, quote, smart money, as it were. So Goodluck recently said that the latest interest rate hike would be the Federal Reserve's last increase. In February, the billionaire warned of painful outcomes in the next recession. Many people want the Federal Reserve to cut interest rates. Tesla and Twitter CEO Elon Musk tweeted last Friday that the Fed is operating with way too much latency in their data, noting that interest rates need to drop immediately. Like Gunlock Galaxy Digital CEO Mike Novogratz also expects the Fed to cut interest rates sooner than we think. Meanwhile, <clears throat> a number of people are predicting a severe recession in the U.S. Famed economist David Rosenberg warned of a crash landing and a recession last week. Economist and gold bug Peter Schiff said this week that inflation is about to get a whole lot worse. Nothing that Americans' cost of living, noting that Americans' cost of living is going to go way up. And finally, uh, we have an article here from Cointelegraph. This was um, also posted today. Tim Draper recommends founders hold, quote, at least two payrolls worth of cash in crypto. American venture capital investor and entrepreneur Tim Draper suggested founders keep at least two payrolls worth of cash in Bitcoin or alternative cryptocurrencies, along with other diversification recommendations in response to the uncertainty created by the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. In a March 25th Report directed at business founders, Tim Draper stated that Bitcoin is a hedge against a domino run on the banks and overbearing government intervention, adding that businesses can no longer rely on a single bank or governing body to manage their cash. Draper suggested that business founders keep at least six months of short-term cash in two separate bank accounts, one with a local bank and another with an international bank. He noted that businesses should also have at least two payrolls worth of cash in Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. These preventative steps were necessary, according to Draper, because for the first time in many years, governments are seizing control of banks and governments themselves are at risk of becoming insolvent. He further revealed that many startups sought emergency relief from him after SVB and other banks shut down. Additionally, Draper emphasized the importance of contingency plans as boards and management are responsible for meeting payroll deadlines, even in times of crisis. He added, it is important to build out contingency plans for bank failures that could happen more and more often if the government continues to print money and whipsaw interest rates to counteract inflation caused by overprinting of money. Draper reminded founders to be vigilant against the risk of fraud, noting that fraudsters are skilled at identifying weaknesses in a system and exploiting them. Furthermore, to prevent phishing theft, he advised founders to verify with all parties involved whether there's a change in wire instructions or a new approval system. This comes after recent news that Draper performed a self-composed Bitcoin song after his keynote speech at Paris Blockchain Week 2023 on March 22nd. He said the song was dedicated to SVB and all the banks that have failed and will fail. The song received a round of applause from the audience, with Draper concluding his time on stage by saying, Blockchain, Bitcoin, and smart contracts make up one of the greatest transitions in the history of the world. So interesting advice from Tim Draper. Um, and of course, this is why we hold Bitcoin. It's a hedge against uh, all of that all of the fiat collapse, banking collapse, 
It's kind of funny too. I was listening to another podcast the other day and they were, these guys were talking about the bank failures and how, you know, they slept just fine at night knowing that, uh, you know, um, and these guys are Bitcoin maxis. Of course they have all their money in Bitcoin, but that the Bitcoin was, uh, you know, sitting there and, you know, it's, uh, can't, nobody can touch it. Nobody can mess with it. And, uh, you don't have to worry about, uh, it not being there or having to move it to a different, you know, bank. <laughs> uh, and so uh, definitely I felt the same way. Um, if you go back to the 2008 financial crisis, um, I've been telling people that, uh, you know, the difference now is we have Bitcoin and back then we didn't have Bitcoin and everything was falling apart. And so, um, it's a good feeling to have something that's, um, outside of the system and, um, and, uh, not, not, uh, controlled by any central government or, uh, central bank or anything like that. Okay. And then, uh, next article here, moving away from the, the billionaires, uh, this, this one here is from, uh, Cointelegraph. This was posted on March 24th entitled U.S. Treasury's Financial Stability Oversight Council held unscheduled closed meeting. So again, uh, if you think the crisis is over, think again. The United States' most powerful financial regulators gathered on March 24th by video conference for an unscheduled closed meeting of the Treasury Department's Financial Stability Oversight Council, the department announced in a statement. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen convened the meeting. Details were sparse in the Treasury statement, but it said Federal Reserve Bank of New York staff gave a presentation on market developments. The gist of the presentation was reassuring. The council discussed current conditions in the banking sector and noted that while some institutions have come under stress, the U.S. banking system remains sound and resilient. In addition, the council discussed member agencies' efforts to monitor financial developments. The functions of the FSOC under the law are identifying risks and the financial stability of the United States, promoting market discipline, and responding to emerging threats to the stability of the U.S. financial system. Markets have reacted sharply to practically every word she and meeting attendee Federal Reserve Board Chair Jerome Powell have uttered publicly as concern about the American banking crisis spread. House Financial Services Committee Subcommittee Chairs Andy Barr and Bill Heisinga sent a letter to Yellen on March 24th asking for the unredacted minutes of the March 12th FSOC meeting and a special March 10th meeting with council leaders to discuss the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and other information. Barr and Heisinga criticized the FSOC's, FSOC's transparency and added FSOC's failure to maintain its own website or issue its own press releases blurs the distinction between your role as chairperson of the FSOC and as Treasury Secretary of the Treasury. The FSOC has repeatedly urged Congress to pass legislation regulating crypto, calling for lawmakers to decide which regulator will oversee the crypto spot market, and urging Congress to close regulatory gaps. Um, yeah, everything's fine. Just, you know, nothing to see here. Move along. Uh, okay, next article we have is um, kind of an interesting one. Um, if you haven't been following Custodia Bank, it's a um, 
Bitcoin bank that was trying to get a federal charter and um, their objective was to be, you know, 100 uh, percent reserve backed. So in other words, if you um, deposit cash or Bitcoin or whatever into the bank, that they would essentially hold that in their uh, bank and they wouldn't they wouldn't uh, lend it out. They wouldn't do anything with it. I'm not sure how they make money. I guess they probably charge you uh, fees, you know, for, for maintaining your account. But then uh, possibly if you wanted to, you know, uh, buy a certificate of deposit, you know, where they would then turn around and they would know that money would be locked up for a period of time. They might have some ability to to do something with that money. But the whole idea is to be, 100% reserve backed, which is not how um, banks operate anywhere, really, uh, certainly not in the U.S. In fact, in the U.S., a lot of people think it's still fractional reserve, and it's not. There's there's no reserve requirement at all for uh, for banks. So technically, they can they can lend out you know um, everything. They don't need to maintain any reserves whatsoever. So. Um, Anyway, so so the Saudi bank had applied and the Fed turned them down. And so then this article is really talking about uh, their rationale. So the title here is Federal Reserve says custodia, custodia's plans would endanger itself in the crypto uh, industry. So the Federal Reserve Board hammered more nails in the coffin of Custodia Bank's failed push for membership on Friday, condemning the proposal's shortcomings in every single category the Fed assesses, saying each of those misfires would have justified its own rejection. Custodia's membership application, as well as its application for a master account, was denied um, on January, in January, 18 months after the applications were initially filed. Custodia, formerly known as Avanti Bank, sued the Federal Reserve in June of 2022, alleging that the central bank was unlawfully delaying its decision and filed an amended complaint earlier this year alleging a Fed conspiracy to block it. This epic response from the Fed is the first detailed effort at explanation. In Friday's 86-page release, the Fed's famously measured language was about as harsh as it gets as the central bank detailed fundamental concerns with Custodia's approach. The banking supervisor noted significant deficiencies in Custodia's ability to manage the risks of its day one activities and doubted its ability to handle basic safety measures and to comply with banking laws regarding money laundering. The Fed's response also potentially signaled its deeper thinking about other key crypto banking issues, such as its worries about banks handling stable coins. It could give the industry more to think about once it moves past the tremors from the recent bank failures. The custodia order is 14 times longer than the next longest Fed denial order in history and 41% longer than the longest Fed order of any type, which speaks volumes about the messages the Fed intended to send to both banks and crypto companies in this order, uh, said Nathan Miller, a custodia spokesperson. The board's explanation for the January rejection comes just two weeks after the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank, which was shut down on March 10th after a bank run. Shortly after, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation took over Silicon Valley Bank. The failure of SVB, a $200 billion bank, is the biggest U.S. bank failure since the 2008 collapse of Washington Mutual, which I think we've talked about before, and I remember 
very well. In the wake of SVB's collapse, state regulators in New York shut down another lender, Signature Bank, claiming there had been a crisis of confidence in the bank's leadership. Both Signature and SVB were known for being crypto-friendly institutions. Their closures have added fuel to the fire of conspiracy theories that the U.S. regulators are making a coordinated effort to cut crypto off from the wider banking system. Custodia has pushed back on the Fed's rejection, both through its ongoing lawsuit and in a further statement Friday, which called the order the result of numerous procedural abnormalities, factual inaccuracies that the Fed refused to correct, and general bias against digital assets. Rather than choosing to work with a bank utilizing a low-risk, fully reserved business model, the Fed instead demonstrated its short-sightedness and inability to adapt to changing markets, the custodia statement said. Perhaps more attention to areas of real risk would have prevented the bank closures that custodia was created to avoid. It is a shame that custodia must turn to the courts to vindicate its rights to compel the Fed to comply with the law. Outside of the crypto sphere, the global banking system has continued to show increasing signs of instability post-SVB. Credit Suisse, after years of being plagued by controversy, was forced to merge with UBS, and San Francisco-based First Republic Bank required an injection of $70 billion in liquidity from the Federal Reserve and J.P. Morgan to ensure its ability to meet withdrawal requirements. The Fed's eviscerating explanation for its denial of custodia cites the crypto bank's decision not to insure its deposits. Instead, the bank proposed to be fully capitalized, holding $1.08 in cash for every dollar deposited by customers, which the FRB said could increase custodia's risk of runs and contagion. Huh? The board argued that Custodia's revenue model, which relies almost solely upon the existence of an active and vibrant market for crypto assets, makes it vulnerable to market volatility, even though the board admitted that Custodia appears to have sufficient capital and resources to sustain initial operations. The Fed explained that it has several factors it uses to evaluate an application, from managerial ability to financial strengths, and it argued that the results in each were so adverse as to present sufficient grounds on their own for warranting denial of the application. One of the most biting observations from the regulator was in its assessment that Custodia's business plan may not only be a danger to itself, but also to the crypto customers it's seeking to serve. The current record indicates Custodia could in fact pose significant risk to its community, the document said. The membership was denied without prejudice, meaning Custodia would, in theory, be able to apply again in the future. The central bank's criticism of Custodia seemed to go well beyond its own business. Crypto industry observers will be paying close attention to the Fed's language on stable coins, those tokens generally tied to stable assets such as the dollar that are the lifeblood of cryptocurrency trading. In contrast to what federal regulators had once agreed was the safest course for stablecoins, that they be issued by regulated banks or financial firms that are under similar strict rules, the Fed had a lot to say Friday about how dangerous a custodia-issued stablecoin could be, more in line with statements the U.S. banking regulators had issued at the start of the year. The central bank outlined worries about what would happen with custodia's token, Abbott, if the business were granted a Fedmaster account. The regulator said that Custodia piling its Avid reserves into the Fed account could give a sense to the market that the token had a form of implicit backing from the central bank. 
This could enable such a product to scale quickly and globally. It could plausibly become a tool for persons around the world to access the stability of the U.S. dollar instantly and anonymously, the Fed argued. That could create, quote, a new meaningful and volatile source of demand for Federal Reserve liabilities. The Fed's position suggested the virtual impossibility, if not actual impossibility, of banks engaging with stable coins issued in open public blockchain, said Miller, the custodian spokesperson. This is terrible policy for the United States because the rest of the world has figured out solutions to this problem. So very interesting piece and uh, another uh, item worth keeping an eye on um, as they continue to litigate um, with the Fed on being able to open up a 100% reserve bank. Certainly wish them luck with that, but I don't know. doesn't seem like the government's willing to budge on that. And um, like I said, we'll just have to continue to watch. Okay, the next uh, article here is from Bitcoin Magazine. This was um, dated March 24th. And it's an opinion piece uh, by Karen low. How will Bitcoin adapt to banking uncertainty? The recent news of Silvergate Capital, Silicon Valley Bank, and Signature Bank shutting down has sent ripples throughout the financial community. These three banks had become some of the most popular banking partners for cryptocurrency exchanges and companies, and their sudden closures left many in the industry scrambling to find new partners. Looking at the cryptocurrency industry as a whole, the closures will make it much more difficult for companies and exchanges in this space to find banking partners, including Bitcoin-only operations. With fewer options available, these companies will have to spend more time and resources searching for banks that are willing to work with them, which could slow down their growth and development. The closures could also lead to increased regulatory scrutiny of the cryptocurrency industry if the closures were indeed due to regulatory pressure to stifle the growth of cryptocurrency as some have speculated it could signal that regulators are becoming more serious about cracking down on bitcoin related activities this could lead to further restrictions on bitcoin exchanges and companies making it even harder for them to operate on the other hand the collapse of silicon valley bank is a blessing for bitcoin according to a recent Coindesk article, which noted parallels between the ways that these bank failures have drawn attention toward Bitcoin with the 2013 Cyprus financial crisis, which underscored flaws in the fractional reserve system. Bank uncertainty emphasizes the point that customers' funds aren't as safe in regulated banks as they've been made to believe and only validates Bitcoin's appeal as a decentralized peer-to-peer -peer network and seizure-resistant cryptocurrency facilitating the self-custody of funds. While it's been the norm, especially in the Western world, to feel comfortable under false pretenses that traditional financial institutions are, quote, safe and, quote, well-regulated, history continues to reveal that banks are capable of making bad decisions. Undoubtedly, this is a good form of advertising for Bitcoin. The SVB scandal has emphasized its intended use case to provide an alternative payment system that would operate free of central control but otherwise be used just like traditional currencies. The Bitcoin industry still faces many challenges, particularly when it comes to regulation and adoption. Governments and central authorities have been slow to embrace cryptocurrencies and many countries have introduced regulations that make it difficult for Bitcoin companies to operate. 
In addition, many individuals and businesses are still wary of Bitcoin, viewing it as risky and volatile. Despite these challenges, the Bitcoin industry is adapting and evolving at a rapid pace. As banks face increasing uncertainty, Bitcoin offers an alternative financial system that is decentralized, transparent, and open to anyone. The principles of decentralization that underpin Bitcoin offer a glimpse into a future where financial services are accessible to everyone, regardless of their location or financial status. But it's clear that there is still a need for on and off ramps for converting Bitcoin into traditional currencies and back again. This raises a pertinent question, which will undoubtedly have an impact on the Bitcoin industry moving forward. Has mainstream banking's affair with Bitcoin ended before it ever really began? And this is definitely something to keep in mind and, you know, an argument on why you might want to accumulate as much Bitcoin now as you can, um, even if uh, it's temporary, the ability to control the on-ramps and off-ramps is clearly a risk, you know, to, um, to Bitcoin uh, owners. But if you're just holding it for savings and you're not needing it to transact in, accumulating now is smart and then if on-ramps and off-ramps um, do get closed um, that's when you really need to look at okay where am I going to live and what jurisdiction is going to allow me to use my Bitcoin and you know maybe a lot of people move to El Salvador you know I don't know okay uh, and then uh, finishing up th I thought this was quite interesting this is from bitcoin.com um, this was also posted today U.S. government remains a top Bitcoin holder with seized stash valued at $5.6 billion. The U.S. government currently holds 205,515 Bitcoins valued at $5.66 billion based on today's exchange rates. The Bitcoins were confiscated in three cases, including the Silk Road Bitcoin seizure in November 2020, the 2022 Bitfinex hack confiscation, and the seizure of Bitcoins from James Zhang last year. Of the total, 69,369 Bitcoin was seized from individual X. 94,643 Bitcoin was taken from Ilya Lichtenstein and his wife, Heather Morgan. And 51,326 Bitcoin was seized from Zhang in November of 2022. According to a report from Glassnode on March 9, 2023, some of these Bitcoins have moved, reducing the total from 215,338 to 205,515 Bitcoin. Approximately 40,000 Bitcoins from wallets associated with U.S. government law enforcement seizures are on the move, Glassnode reported. The majority of these appear to be internal transfers so far. However, around 9,861 Bitcoins seized from the Silk Road hacker have been sent to our Coinbase cluster. The current estimate of 205,515 Bitcoins comes from a Dune Analytics set of metrics created by 21 shares and exchange-traded product provider. The data shows the U.S. government's addresses and transaction history. Of the current seized cash of Bitcoin, 44% came from the Bitfinex forfeiture, 32.2% from individual X, and 23.8% from the Zhang seizure. Additionally, the U.S. government may possess more Bitcoins than what is tallied up in 21 shares data set. The summary notes that the 205,515 Bitcoin is a lower bound estimation based solely on publicly available information. 
the U.S. government seized 205,515 bitcoins constitute a considerable stash compared to that of other large holders, although smaller than Grayscale's cache of 643,572 bitcoin, it surpasses MicroStrategy's stash of 132,500 bitcoin. <clears throat> Furthermore, compared to the whales in the Bitcoin-rich list of addresses, it would be the second largest if consolidated, falling behind Binance's Bitcoin cold wallet, which holds 248,597 Bitcoin at the time of writing. The federal government's Bitcoin stash is also larger than the roughly 140,000 Bitcoin in the Mt. Gox cash. This isn't the first time the U.S. government has been a top holder. The Federal Bureau of Investigation was the second largest Bitcoin holder after seizing the original Silk Road marketplace. However, the government stash at the time was depleted after U.S. Marshals held Bitcoin auctions to sell the crypto assets in 2014. So anyway, I thought this was quite interesting that uh, Uncle Sam is, uh, is a whale. So we'll see what they do with their stash, if they hold it or if they uh, sell it in the future. They'd be smart to hold it, though, I would think. And that's it for the news. Just a quick reminder to check out, and I'll put a link in the show notes, this week's blog post called Orange Pilling Your Parents. It's not as easy it's as, as it sounds. And uh, hopefully you find that one interesting and perhaps helpful if you're trying to teach your parents about Bitcoin as uh, possible alternative investment for some of their money at least and uh, that about wraps it up so thanks for listening to the podcast if you enjoyed the show please like and leave a comment also don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode um, if you if you like earning bitcoin uh, while you listen uh, try downloading fountain you should find my podcast on that app as well and you earn Bitcoin just for listening. You can also follow my Substack at bitcoinfortress.substack.com, and you can find me on Twitter. My handle is at Nick Reichert. I will talk to you all next week. Bye bye.